Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And back uh, from a little brief respite and better than ever. Great to be with you on this Monday, August 1st, the year 2022. Special thanks to Danny Broussard for filling in for me the Thursday and Friday. He said, I don't know how you do it every day. How do you get guests? I, get I said, well, you know, it's like putting up that full court press. You just got to keep on keeping on. But we thank you very much, Danny, for that. Great to be back with you as my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, the game studios. Now we hear you spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons, making sure everything is running a professional manner. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on heading west, 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, thanks to the old internet at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you got your television, well, um, just pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, the big story of the day, after a month of waiting, Deshaun Watson finally found out his fate today. The Browns quarterback has been hit with a six-game suspension. But just because he now knows the length of his punishment doesn't mean the situation is over. There's a chance that the length of the suspension could still change, and that's because the NFL is allowed to appeal the decision. Watts' camp could also appeal, but the NFL Players Association previously announced on Sunday that no appeal would be coming from that end. Um, if the NFL decides to appeal, it'll create a new layer of drama. That's because the appeal would be heard by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell or someone he designates. As of this afternoon, though, the league had yet to make a decision about the possible appeal. Um the punishment was handed down today from former federal judge Sue L. Robinson, the disciplinary officer who was jointly appointed, appointed by both the NFL and the NFLPA. Uh, I don't know any of the details. All I know is a lot of um, cases were settled, which leads you to believe, why would you settle if there was nothing wrong, correct? And in the eyes and ears and throats of many, this seems like absolutely a drop in the bucket. Um, according to multiple reports, the NFL was hoping that Watson would get a suspension of at least one season. And although that didn't happen, the league could still aim for that in a potential appeal. And now we're going to have lawsuits and everything coming. So we will see what the NFL and Roger Goodell decides to do. But there are people lining up to voice their displeasure on that makes you kind of believe that if he he only gets six games, what would Alvin Kamara get? So if you're a Saints fan, you're thinking, okay, let's have fair and equitable, right? Mm, 
We shall see. Still a lot to be determined on that front. Meanwhile, the Saints full pads for the first time. Um, and as when you separate the men from the boys, those that can and those that can't. And you see what your team is really, truly all about. Um, a little mix up. During the uh, during the you know little little altercation, nothing nothing bad, nothing much. Um, with first year Trevor Penning, um, those kind of things happen a- along the way. Uh, but the good news: Pete Werner officially made his return from the NFI and was out there participating in walkthroughs. Jawan Johnson and Bryce Thompson also returned. Werner and Johnson were doing some individual work throughout practice. Rashid Shaheed made a late appearance doing the same. All were dressed out in pads. Uh, Michael Thomas was back out there after having a veteran day of rest on Saturday. Alvin Kamara was also at practice. Um, and we learned later that his court hearing got pushed back yet another two months. So from August to September to October. And I think this thing's going to get pushed and pushed and pushed. And it's likely that, um, that uh, Alvin Kamara will be, will be good to go for uh, quite some time. So that's good. Among those not spotted at practice were Taysom Hill, Teron Matthew, Marcus Davenport, Dennis Allen said after practice they were allowing Matthew to handle what he needs to uh, with his family, whatever that may be. And the team will welcome him back with open arms when he is ready to return. So we'll have more on that. Chris Rosevoglu will join us um, in about at around 2.15, about eight minutes from now. Glenn West will join us, and we'll, we'll talk about the LSU splash party um, as they get another commitment, a big offensive lineman. That's a good move for LSU. And they expect after this latest round of um, – of, uh, rolling out the red carpet and showing potential or showing recruits what LSU has to offer. Maybe that commitment list will grow a little bit more. Blake Rafino will join us as well in our number two from the Are You Serious podcast. Todd McClure, former LSU Tiger, longtime 13-year veteran of the Atlanta Falcons, has joined the uh, Falcon Ring of Honor that will be in the Mercedes Stadium. In Atlanta, we'll have Todd McClure on at 3.30 to congratulate him on that one. So uh, so there you go. We are brought to you on Mondays by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. You know, there are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana with a very simple mission statement. They just want to serve the community and see you, their customers, leave with a smile on your faces. So whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top-shelf wines or spirits, or just a quick pit stop, we look forward to serving you with our spacious, spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products. Clean and comfortable modern restrooms and delicious food that's always fresh and always fast. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, you just can't shop right at all. The greatest winner in sports history passed away yesterday. 
Bill Russell, the cornerstone of the Boston Celtics dynasty that won eight straight titles and 11 overall during his career, passed away. The Hall of Famer was 88. He died peacefully with his wife, Janine, at his side. Um, Arrangements for his memorial service will be announced soon, according to the statement. Um, Bill Russell, born and raised in Monroe, Louisiana. Went to the University of San Francisco. Never met Bill Russell. I saw him once, but I never met him. I did go to the gymnasium where he won back-to-back NCAA championships. And um, from there, the second pick in the NBA draft went to the St. Louis team um, that had Bob Pettit on the team, the LSU great. I, I reached out to Bob today. Um, couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, we'll we'll keep trying. Left him a text. Left him a voicemail. Um, I was told he's out of the country. Understood. Vacationing. Good for him. Um, but they Red Auerbach made a deal, traded, and and got Bill Russell. And the rest is history. Um, He went straight from winning two NCAA championships to winning a gold medal in the Olympics for the United States and then went over with a a 15-year period, beginning with his junior year at the University of San Francisco. Russell had the most remarkable career of any player in the history of team sports. At USF, he was a two-time All-American, won two straight NCAA championships, led the team to 55 consecutive wins, and he won a gold medal, like I said, at the 1956 Olympics. During his 13 years in Boston, he carried the Celtics to the NBA Finals 12 times, winning the championship 11 times. The last two titles won while both as a player and serving as the NBA's first African-American coach. No one a bigger winner. The greatest champion in all of team sports a five-time mvp a 12-time all-star he finished with 21,620 career rebounds an average of 22.5 per game he led the league in rebounding four times he had 51 rebounds in one game 49 in two others and posted 12 straight seasons of with 1,000 or more rebounds. He also averaged 15 points per game and four assists per game over his career. Until Michael Jordan came in the 90s, Bill Russell considered the greatest player in NBA history. And he is on my Mount Rushmore. You can't talk about the NBA without talking about Bill Russell. A pioneer, he was as a player, a pioneer as a champion, a pioneer as the NBA's first African-American head coach, and a pioneer as an activist. He paved the way and set an example for every African-American player who came into the league after him. He's a legend. He was awarded the Medal of Freedom by former President Barack Obama in 2011, the nation's highest civilian Honor. And in 2017, the NBA awarded him with its Lifetime Achievement Award. Wow. He, he's something. He, he was something. One of the greatest athletes in our history. Just spectacular. Born February 12th, 1934 in Monroe, Louisiana. His family moved to the Bay Area where he t- attended McClyman's High School in Oakland. 
Um, he earned a scholarship at San Francisco, and the rest is history. The greatest shot blocker ever in basketball. Rest in peace, the great Bill Russell. You think about the greatest centers of all time. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, there they are. There's the Mount Rushmore of centers in basketball. Bill Russell with 11 titles. Henry Richard of the NHL with 11. Jean Bilyeu in the NHL with 10. Yogi Bear of the Yankees with 10. And Sam Jones, Bill Russell's teammate, had 10 as well. The greatest champion of all time. Mm, mm, mm. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, we will uh, delve into Saints training camp. The first with pads, Chris Rose for the glue with the latest after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers, the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 18 minutes after the hour on this Monday, August the 1st. The calendar has changed to the eighth month of the year. That means football is back and better than ever. And this New Orleans Saints update brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Lafayette. Voted the nation's best aesthetic practice. The best uh, with hormone replacement therapy for men and for women. Fillers and injectables by physicians and body sculpting, both surgical and non-surgical. The the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Lafayette, 337-484-1234. 337-484-1234. Schedule a free consultation. Well, uh, we're we're very wise and very fortunate to be consulted by uh, Chris Rosverglue, who is the writer for The Spun, by SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media. Christopher, what's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. How's everything with you? Everything's good. Um, now they're starting to play for Keith because the pads came on today, and um, that's always that's always the sign of really football, right? So what did we learn from practices today? Yeah, I mean, you know, with pads coming on, the intensity, you know, goes up a notch. And I think we saw that, albeit, you know, there were some holds here and there, and he still has to work on his technique. Uh, First-round pick Trevor Penning is a guy who loves to get physical. And there were moments where he was battling with Carl Granderson today, moments where he had a little bit of uh, extracurricular activities with Peyton Turner. But that's kind of that fire that the Saints saw in him coming out of college that they like. So we saw that intensity go up there. We saw also the one-on-one battles look a little bit more physical today, uh, specifically with corners like Paulson Adebo and Bradley Roby kind of having chances to shine there. And I'd say the third thing that I got to notice, Demario Davis, 
He looks in mid-season form. He had one really hard hit that just kind of went through the whole facility with, with the sound coming off those pads. So uh, it was nice hmm. to see the intensity go up, and, of course, nice to see guys like Demario already making an impact. Uh, Paul Sinadibo apparently uh, had a pretty good day today um, uh, in the defensive secondary. He seemed, It seems like his game continues to, to develop and grow, which only helps the Saints defense even more so. Yeah, absolutely. And the beauty about what Paul Sinadibo has been able to do is it kind of started last week and you see him play well and you think, all right, well, you got the shorts and the shells on, but it's not really full pads. How's he going to play in full pads? Well, Everything that he did well last week, he was able to replicate and then some today, and that's just a great sign. And I'm not really surprised, right, because this is a cornerback who, rookie year, first ever start, you're going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, had an interception in that game, just looked fantastic. So I'm not really stunned to hear that and see that he's taking those next steps, but it's really encouraging. This is a player who we talked about, hey, he's going to have to battle with Bradley Roby, he's going to have to battle with Alante Taylor, and competition's always a good thing, and you're seeing it why. You're getting the best out of Paulson Adebo already in camp. And if he continues to play this way, we're going to get to the point where we're going to have to ask ourselves, do the Saints have one of the best cornerback duos in all of football? And maybe that sounds a little bit premature right now, but with the way this kid's playing in year two at camp, sky's the limit for him. Yeah, it looks like it's a lock that the, your corners are going to be Lattimore and Adebo, and that that's terrific. The big question, obviously, is how's Jameis Winston looked? Yeah, the last two practices have been a little bit different. We're seeing a couple of mistakes here and there. But the good thing is, how does he rebound after those mistakes? I would say, you know, the practice prior to Monday, Saturday's practice, uh, that would be we saw a couple of mistakes, but we saw a great resiliency. Um, an interception here, an interception there, all of a sudden 60-yard touchdown to Olave. And plays of that nature are what you want to see from him. But I'd say overall, it's really the kind of the out routes, the throw to the flat that the timing needs to be a little bit better on. Um, but on the flip side, though, if you're talking about health-wise, how does he look? You see each and every day he feels more and more comfortable. And I wouldn't really worry about the mistakes that he's making right now because it is camp. This is the time to make those mistakes. And all that really matters for the Saints is, A, is he healthy? And, B, do they feel like they can operate the offense? And right now, with the way that guys like Olave and Jarvis Landry are playing, even Adam Troutman, who seems to be taking that next step in his development, you feel like the rest will come. So. There's been some ups and downs for Jameis, but overall you have to say it's more okay. positive than negative because you're seeing him heal correctly from that ACL injury. Chris Rosefoglu with us. Uh, you mentioned, I was going to mention Troutman with um, Taysom Hill missing a couple of practices. Troutman has become a point of emphasis, and it looks like he is um, he's catching the ball with much more frequency and regularity. And I thought before the season started, uh, I said, I think this guy's going to bounce back. I really have a good feeling about it because uh, the Saints normally don't miss on people that they trade up to get. Uh, and and I, I think he just had some injuries and just had a bad year. I think Troutman is going to be a pleasant surprise this year. What do you think? Yeah, look, if the way the last four or five practices have been, if that's an indication of what we're going to get out of Adam Troutman, we're going to get good things. And I think the fairest thing to say about Adam Troutman is last year I feel like maybe the public you know, perception around what he would do and the expectations were a bit too high that we're going into his third year now, and I feel like the expectations are too low, right? I've seen some people be like, well, can he just hold down the forward? It's like, no, I I think he will be, without a doubt, their tight end one, and I think he will make plays over the course of the year. And what I like right now out of him is every opportunity coming his way, 
he's making the most out of it. You're not seeing mistakes we saw last year. You're seeing him haul in the ball. And I know people might think, hey, well, his job is to catch it. He's supposed to do that. Yeah, I get that, but it's nice to see him make sure that he's not making those maybe easier mistakes that we've seen him make in the past. So he's getting better each and every day. And with Taysom Hill out, like you mentioned, because of the rib injury that he's dealing with, which is expected to be minor, it's more opportunities for Adam Troutman. And, and the great part is, before Taysom went down, he looked really good at the tight end spot too. So we might look at a position that might have been a weakness a couple of weeks yeah. ago. All of a sudden you're saying, okay, it's a middle-of-the-pack group, and that would be great for the Saints knowing what they have on the perimeter. So I agree with you. I think this is the year for Adam Troutman. There, there was never a time where I watched him play last year, and I'm like, okay, he can't play. It's just he didn't live up to the expectations we right. had that season. But I, I think this is a player who's poised for a bounce-back year, and so far all the signs are pointing in the right direction. Speaking of bounce-back year, we only saw a little bit of him, but it, from all the reports that I've read and people that I've talked to, Peyton Turner is having himself a heck of a camp. How did he look with the, with the pads on for the first time? Yeah, Peyton Turner is a physical player, and, and I think he's the type of guy that I almost put him in the same class that I put Davenport in the sense that everyone's got questions, right? But my only question is, are they active? Because I think when they're active, we're going to get production out of them as a team. You'll see the Saints defense get that. And I think for Peyton Turner, whether it's today with him getting into that Trevor Penning or even last week looking pretty active, I think this is a, a guy who, even though he's year two, I think he's further along in terms of his skill set than people give him credit for. Um, and what I mean by that is I feel like when the Saints brought in Davenport, there was okay, a little bit of development that needed to happen. And for Peter Turner, I think he's further along in that process at this stage in his career. So I think he looks really good. I think he'll only continue to look that way. And I think for him now it's a matter of how good can he be in camp so it can kind of amplify his role. Because he will have a role, don't get me wrong. And I think that the Saints are going to love to have that kind of you know, nasty package where they're putting out their biggest and, and baddest defensive linemen. And you will see that over the course of the year where – Maybe they'll play three defensive ends because they believe one can rush on the interior. So I think for Turner, it's just a matter of taking it day by day and continue to climb up the ladder. But so far, so good. And I think it almost feels like an added bonus, right? It feels like yeah. the rookie year didn't really happen, and he's almost the third first-round pick they have this year. So I think that for him, he can amplify a unit that I thought the Saints' defense obviously was great last year. Can they be even better? He would be a big reason why if that's the case. Chris, if he were a rookie, I'd be concerned. But what, what's what's your thought process on what's happening with uh, Teran Matthew? The Saints have said we're going to give him all the time he needs to handle whatever that situation uh, that he has to handle is. They'll welcome him back with open arms. Um, is there a point in time where we should get concerned? Because people were all up and off. He deleted some Instagram stuff. Where, I, I don't understand all that stuff. But um, people got a little concerned. Uh, welcome back off the cliff a little bit yeah you know around saturday afternoon i started getting texts or like it's tyra matthew delete his instagram stuff and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about like i i don't i don't follow every move on instagram and i'm like all right i'll just go check he was still following the saints i'm like okay people are making something out of nothing but i think when dennis allen kind of speaks today and this is no knock on sean Payton at all it just shows how different they are as coaches i feel like sean likes to keep all his cards close to the vest where dennis allen will kind of tell you how it is because that's just the type of guy he is and I think when he comes out today and he says they're giving him the time they need, but there's a point where, hey, we'd like to have him back, I think that's kind of his way of saying, okay, he should and hopefully better be back by that date. Now, what that date is, I'm not sure what the Saints have in mind, but with the preseason coming up sooner than people think, I, I'd imagine by within the next you know, seven to ten days, 
if you're the Saints, you want him back out there because he's going to be a big part of your defense, not just right. from a skill level, but also a vocal level. And this is a player who's going to have to have everyone in line, everyone in check on the DBs um, in that unit. So I, I think for New Orleans, you're giving him his space right now when it's a personal matter. And I think for fans, all you really can do is, is what Dennis Allen said, right? Like respect that privacy because we don't really know. None of us really know what the situation is at hand. But I'd say right now I, I wouldn't be you know, pressing the panic button just yet. Um, right. But if you're the New Orleans Saints, you would like to have him back sooner than later because this isn't one of those situations where, hey, week one, you know what you're going to get out of him. It's, it's still a scheme for him. You want him to get as many reps as possible. So um, I, I think that it's a wait and see. But, thank, you know, thankfully he was there for minicamp, was there for OTAs. So at least it's not like he's got an all, a whole offseason without getting reps in Dennis Allen's defense. Uh, Chris, I'm no attorney or anything like that, but when the news came down today about six games for Deshaun Watson, we think I'm, the, my immediate reaction went to Alvin Kamara, who we found out that his hearing has been pushed back another two months. So instead of August, it's going to be, in theory, October. I, I don't think it's going to happen in 2022. Uh, but if you're a Saints fan, you got to be going, hmm, six games for all that? Uh, maybe the Saints won't be as hit, hit quite as hard. What do you think? You know, I, I'd love to say that's right, but I almost feel like whenever this suspension does, if it does actually happen for Alvin Kamara, I believe it'll be around that six-game ballpark because I think there's like precedent for that said incident, uh, what the punishment will be. That being said, when you hear that this court case gets pushed back another two months, and let's be real, we don't even know if it will be in October and they'll handle matters. That could push back again right. another two months. Um, right. Unless something you know crazy happens over the next couple of weeks, I would be shocked if Alvin Kamara misses time this season. I just feel like it's one of those situations where you're pushing it back, you're pushing it back, and it might end up being the Marshawn Lattimore situation of last year, where we're all talking about, hey, he misses time, they got to figure out a way to replace him, and all of a sudden he doesn't miss any time, and who knows, charges got dropped for Lattimore's situation. It's different for Kamara's, but when things get pushed, to, you know, further back and further back, sometimes people settle and they figure it out. So. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about this season, but I, I do think that if he were to get suspended, I don't think the Deshaun Watson you know suspension would have any bearing on Kamara's because okay. they're two different situations. But, right. uh, again, when I see a, a six-game suspension like that, it just makes you stop for a second and say, sometimes I don't know what the NFL is doing, but you know uh, we, we don't have control over those things. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'd be stunned if Kamara misses time this year. All right, so uh, day one in pads in the books. We'll see what the Saints do in day two. Chris, uh, thank you so much for the update. We greatly appreciate it. It looks like Olave's the real deal. Peyton Turner looks like he's he's stepping up and becoming the real deal. So those are two big additions uh, for the Saints this year. And if Jameis Winston can just keep on improving, get better and better and better, uh, I still think the Saints are – are a sleeper team, big guy. I really do. Oh, I, I'm right there with you, and I'll, I'll add off to your Olave point, Jordy, before I, you know, I leave you guys. But I think he'll become a fan favorite immediately. Week one, I think people will get all on board. He is a plug-and-play player, uh, and he's shown it from the very beginning. Nice, nice. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy training camp, and thank you for enlightening us. We greatly appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. Uh, you take care. That uh, Saints interview brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, both in Baton Rouge and in Lafayette, right off of Ambassador Caffrey, 337-484-1234. Voted the nation's number one, the very best aesthetic practice. Um, they really are tremendous. Uh, schedule a free diagnostics a free session where you can get your a free testosterone check because as we get older uh things don't always work as they used to hormone replacement therapy for men and women alike is so valuable and they can make it and treat you to the nth degree the aesthetic medicine and anti-aging clinic of Lafayette. All right, we'll take a time out here. When we come back, LSU reports to camp on Wednesday. First day of practice is Thursday. We'll talk about the Tigers next here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're old for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back 37 minutes after the hour. Let's talk Tigers brought to you by Cajun Chef. Deep in the heart of the South Louisiana's Bayou Country, Cajun Chef seasonings are still made from time-honored traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and peppers. Thank you, Art family, right there in St. Martinville for decade after decade after decade, <laughs> just putting out the best hot sauce on the planet he puts out all the news when it comes to lsu and that's our good friend from go 247 sports the one and only mr glenn west glenn good afternoon buddy how are you i'm doing great jordy how are you i'm good how was the uh the splash party what what was the what what, what tell me jet skis uh sailboats what are we, what are we talking about here no jet skis from what i could tell i mean i think they kind of ran into some bad weather on friday afternoon so I think they moved most of the party inside in the indoor facility, but oh. um, lots of lots of good vibes coming out of this weekend in terms of just the you know the visit and a bunch of the recruits kind of getting to know the staff a little bit better. I think uh, there was some there was some good uh, positive momentum made with a bunch of guys, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really important kind of last ditch effort I think for a lot of these kids who are going to be making their decisions. Uh, before their senior seasons and uh, obviously one of them is, is is coming up right here on the heels of uh of LSU starting fall camp in, in Shelton Sampson. Shelton Sampson the wide receiver from Catholic High is going to make his uh, announcement on the sixth uh safety Kylan Jackson on the eighth but um Tigers did pick up a pretty good offensive lineman right from the Crescent City? Yep, Tyree Adams. Uh, that was okay. that was one of the big news that came out over the weekend. Obviously, a a huge priority for LSU is going to be rebuilding this offensive line and getting some some depth and some quality players in here over the next couple of classes. And uh, Adams certainly fits that bill. They're also obviously targeting a bunch of a bunch of other guys. They'd like to get, I think, get uh, you know at least four 
uh, offensive linemen in this class. Right now they're at two with uh, obviously Adams and then uh, Paul Mumbenga, who they got earlier in July as well. So they're sitting in a good spot. Brad Davis is starting to make make a mark on this class with his recruiting efforts. And uh, mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a really uh, it was a really positive weekend overall for, for LSU. All right, there we go. Um, that's always good. Now, there's got to be a lot of nerves right about now because um, players report on Wednesday, and that first practice starts on Thursday. And so, so many question marks, right? I mean, right. really, so many question marks. And and and, and you talk uh, – I, I read a report from Athlon where coaches would talk anonymously, and they're talking about so many questions. Offensive line, what's that going to look like? Uh, the running back room, who's, who's proven there? And they're accurate. Um, we think there's a lot of talent, but can they do it on Saturdays against other schools that pay their coaches a heck of a lot of money too, and have NAI deals for their players too. And they have big stadiums and play in front of big crowds. So welcome to the sec. Uh, Tell me your thoughts as you start to really focus in on camp, where is Glenn West with LSU football? Yeah. So obviously all eyes are going to be on this quarterback competition. I don't think that's any, uh, any surprise there just in terms of, everything we've heard out of the, the, the program about those three guys and, 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 you know, really you can toss in Walker Howard there too. I'm sure he's going to push all those guys to be their best as a true freshman, but uh, really I'm going to be looking at, at, at the offensive line. I mean, we've uh, kind of talked about this a lot over the last couple of years, but I mean, really since that 2019 season, their, their offensive line has struggled mightily and they need to find some consistency up front. They need to have some depth behind the starters and, uh, this isn't going to be a situation where you walk in with five starters and hope that those five starters can play every snap and be uh, be available for you. You're going right. to have to have some rotations, I think, at both tackle spots. You're going to need some rotations on the interior uh, at both guard spots as well. And so really figuring out the right combinations up front with the offensive line, I think, is going to be uh, one of the big things I'm looking out for. Uh, as well as kind of the health of some of these guys in the secondary. I think that's going to be one thing as well. Um, The pass defense, LSU allowed the second most touchdown passes, 29, the fourth highest completion percentage, 64% in the SEC, and made a league low eight interceptions last season. Of course, they, you know, Eli Ricks, and um, and, we know all the stories and all the details, but – it seems like they have quality players, but they haven't played together. Um, and I'm really concerned in the way that football is played today and with the quarterbacks that LSU is going to have to face. Is this secondary going to gel and jive and, and, and be effective? That That's critical to me. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you're talking about a, a cornerback room in particular that is so wildly different from what it was a year ago. I mean, a year yeah. ago today you had Stingley and Rick's as your opposite corners. And those were arguably the two best corners in college football kind of heading into that year. At least the perception was that they could be one of the best tandems in all of college football. And now you've lost not only those two guys, but you've lost a lot of your depth um, that you had at that position last year. And really the only returning players are Demarius McGee and Ray Darius Jones. And uh, you know, those, those guys have been around now for a while. And so, Um, it's going to be all eyes on these transfers. I mean, the health of Jarek Bernard Converse can't be 
overstated enough. He's been he's going to be a real key to this defense having success and hoping that he can lock down one side of the field for you. Obviously, Makai Gardner is, is a big bodied corner that you hope really works out in the in the kind of the level up play uh, coming from ULL. Um, you know, Seven Banks from Ohio State, I think, is a really intriguing name just because he's another guy who's been injured throughout his career. But when on the field, he's shown that he has immense promise and talent. Yeah. So yeah. I think for a lot of these guys that have coming in and transferred, they've kind of understand what the opportunity here is in rebuilding this cornerback room. And uh, I think it's going to be something that they're going to have to really attack head on starting in the fall. And I wonder about, you know, leadership, who, who, who is the lead? Is it, is it Greg Penn? Is it, I mean, that, that's something else they got to find out. Right. And normally you go into a season and you kind of know, is it, is it Micah Baskerville? Is it BJ Ogilari, Ali Gay? Is it Mason Smith? I guess they all could be, uh, but somebody has to emerge in, in that role. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, and Mike Jones, I think, is another really good name to throw in there, the linebacker. Okay. Uh, he's been around for over a year now. But, yeah, I mean, Jones, Ogilary, Jay Ward, I would say, is another name you can throw in there as a leader of the secondary. Um, you know, guys who have been around the program know what it takes to play at an SEC level. Uh, I think when you're welcoming in so many new freshmen and so many new transfers, a lot of these guys haven't played in this conference. I mean, Fouché and Greg Brooks are, are two guys that played at Arkansas, so they have that experience. But, you know, outside of that, there's really not a whole lot of SEC kind of guys that are that are ready to play, on, I think, on this defense right now of the newcomers. And so they're going to have to learn all the tricks and trades of learning yeah. how to compete with the best athletes really in the country at the college level. And that's going to be uh, something that could take some time. So you really hope that you get that hammered out, I think, in the, the next couple of weeks. Glenn West, go 247 Sports. I mentioned that Athlon report with the anonymous SEC coaches talking about each team. And I'm going to quote one paragraph, quote, what are they going to do on offense with that personnel? It seems like they want to go dual threat and run with their quarterback. But that's really just Jay. Daniels and not the other guys. They've got some playmakers on the perimeter and they need to have an effective downfield passing offense with that personnel. I think you might see them rotate quarterbacks, which could be a different set of problems. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything we've heard from Brian Kelly, I think the, the rotating of the quarterbacks is the absolute last resort. And I think that's really only something that you'll see if either – these quarterbacks prove that there's not much separation between the three or if uh, the, you know, kind of the worst case scenario is if they all kind of perform average, I guess, in the fall and nobody really steps up and, and, and kind of takes over that starting role. And so, uh, I mean, I, I could see scenarios where you have certain packages for Jaden Daniels mm -hmm. involved um, if he's not the full-time starter. Um, but I, I, I do think that this is going to be, uh, an extremely important next two or three weeks in particular. Yeah. I think you'd like to have kind of an idea of who you're going to roll with in that first game after the first half or so of fall camp. And then you can start getting into your game plans and your new, and kind of the nuances of what you want to do for Florida state. Um, but if you, if you kind of roll into that last week before Florida state and you really don't have an option or you don't have an answer of who's going to start, then I think right. that's when you start thinking that maybe this could be a rotation and kind of a in-season battle as much as anything else.
34 days away from the start of the college football season. And um, uh, this this coach went on, whoever it may be, said defensively, this will be the weakest secondary LSU has had in decades. Call this a rebuilding year with urgency. The lines are a mess, especially on offense, and they have as many questions as they do talented players. They'll be really interesting to watch down the stretch this season. It's possible they'll figure it out as they go. I I agree with the figuring out as they go part. I I, kind of tend to push back a little bit on the on the lines being kind of both uh, in in disarray. I think the defensive line has a chance to be as good Good. as any defensive line in the SEC. Um, Offensive lines obviously got a lot of work to do. Um, Secondary has a lot to prove. They'd have a lot of new faces in there, which we've talked about, but um, I, I do think that they're at the end of the day, they've found some talent. They have talent. Um, I think it's just about finding the right combinations in fall and hoping that what you see out there sticks into the season and, and against those first several opponents. And if it doesn't, then you got to tweak things. But uh, I think right now you, you, you only, you got what you got. I mean, you can't, you can't go in and That's add right. anybody else. You can't get anybody else. And so you hope that the coaching and the development over the off season's really paid off for what it's worth. This Athlon Sports named LSU the sleeper team in the league, and they named the breakout player as Mason Smith and the comeback player, Kayshawn Boutte. So there you go. So it's not all bad. It's not all negative. All those hit well. I think you're looking at at least an eight or nine win team. I mean, I think that's kind of the ceiling, I think, for LSU this year is eight or nine wins. I've kind of gone back and forth on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, if everything kind of breaks the right way, I think – you know, Kelly is very confident in the coaching staff that he's brought together and confident in the progress that I think a lot of these players have made in the last couple of months. And so uh, we won't really know until we go out there and see it for ourselves. But, yeah. um, you know, everything that's, that's coming out of the program and everything that we're hearing is is certainly, you know, keying up for a competitive uh, competitive fall. Every time I hear the ceiling. I always think of Michael Jordan. The ceiling is the roof, which is the <laughs> the dumbest comment I've ever heard. But Michael said it, so we we make T-shirts out of it. Yep. Yep. No, I I agree. That's that's one that I, that's one that I didn't really hear until I think I watched that documentary or uh, a couple of years ago. There you go. The, the documentary that saved the documentary that saved the world because there was yeah. nothing going on with COVID. Hey, yeah, uh, baseball picked up another a two way player from Air Force, right? Yeah, so they picked up Paul Skeens, who was a, a pitcher slash catcher last year. Um, don't expect him to play much catcher. I think he's probably going to be a, a weekend guy for your pitching rotation, but also uh, a designated hitter option, a guy who can swing the bat around 300 and hit it over the fence a little bit and uh, bring some guys in. He's, he's going to be a really valuable tool. Um, they, they, they just lost, actually, an infielder. Carter Young, who was a transfer from uh, Vanderbilt, he actually just signed a couple minutes ago. Oh, really? Uh, with Baltimore for one point three million dollars, they didn't. Wow, he sign. was like a seventeenth yeah. round pick, so, right? which 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 throws all those slot numbers yeah. out of whack. Yeah, the baseball thing is 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 weird with the draft. I mean, if you don't sign, like for example, Baltimore didn't sign their third round pick, so they can allocate that money to a guy later in the draft crazy i think they chose carter young and they gave him a lot of money i mean he's making more money 
as a 17th round pick than Kay Doty made as a second round draft. <laughs> so just, a, just some perspective there. Wow. That's kind of hard money to turn down wow. in three years in college. And so poor Jake Johnson. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They're, they're, that, it's, it's a little bit of a sting. I'm going to have something up about it tomorrow, okay. probably on our site, but yeah, the middle infield for LSU is taking a little bit of a hit. Uh, since they did so well, they brought in that Pineda guy and they got in young from the transfer portal. And now both guys have signed. And so there's mm. a little bit more pressure, I think, on guys like Jordan Thompson or a, a freshman like Gavin Gidry to be ready right yeah. away. Glenn West, always with the info, man. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. Uh, get ready. You're in shape. You're jogging. Get ready. We're ready. You found We're ready. Out what, you can, what you can do as far as um, media allowment yet. No, we haven't got the emails Ooh. yet, so we're still waiting on all of it. But uh, hopefully, we'll get it soon. And you know, starting Thursday, it's going to be full, full, full go ahead, full force. All right, go, go watch those kids bring their pillows and their microwaves and TVs in into the into their living quarters. Like, yes, sir. It's crazy. Yes, sir. All, right, all right, buddy. Thank you, Glenn. Bye. All right, Glenn West from Go Two Four Seven Sports. Take time out. Uh, final one of hour number one. We'll be back. The Jordy Helper Show. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A quick wrap-up to our number one, the Astros with a 12-game margin over the Seattle Mariners. They've won six of their last 10, and with that in mind, why don't you get in line and get ready because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway, the Red Hot Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. And you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Still to come, more LSU talk and the latest in the Falcons Ring of Honor. Another former Tiger. Our number two, the Jordy Helper Show, straight ahead on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and welcome aboard as we roll on as the calendar has changed to the month of August. And that means one thing and one thing only. Football is here. LSU opens up 34 days from today. It is Monday, August 1st, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is... 1037 Lafayette. We're on a little bit west, 1041 in Lake Charles. We are um, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And we're also simulcast in the Acadiana area on your television set on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The big story over the weekend, the passing of the greatest champion 
of all time in any sport, and that's the legendary Bill Russell. The biggest story of the day in the NFL after a month of waiting, Deshaun Watson found out his fate today. The Browns quarterback has been hit with a six-game suspension. Um, And the biggest story looking ahead is LSU reports to training camp with that in mind let's go to our former offensive lineman now the host of the are you serious podcast um he's on a little bit earlier today and i appreciate him doing that for me because uh, we got another offensive lineman coming on after him uh todd mcclure in the uh atlanta falcon ring of honor could only come on at 3 30 so blake was kind enough to improvise a little bit and of course we're talking about blake Rafino. blake good afternoon buddy thank you so much i really appreciate you uh maneuvering for us well i tell you um two centers back to back on your show jordy that can that couldn't be better you know well i I like smart guys and centers are normally regarded as smart guys so who's going to be the starting center for lsu big guy oh um I, I do, Jordy. I think that that's one position that is going to have to work itself out. I could see Garrett Dellinger moving there if he can handle the protections and snaps. Uh, what does Charles Turner provide for you? Can he be physical enough at the point of attack? Um, but I really, Jordy, if you you know put a gun to my head and said, hey, who's it going to be with your life on the line? I have absolutely no idea. I think that this one's going to play itself out. Um. Boy, there's a lot of question marks. We think that the LSU has a lot of talent, um, but it takes talent blending together, learning how to play with one another, uh, where you you have trust in your teammate that your teammate's going to do his job, so you can do your job, and that's some of the that's some of the things that have to be worked out in the next 34 days. Doesn't seem like a lot of time, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Jordy, look, they do have a lot of talent. You know, I mean, you can look along the defensive line. You can tell that they have a lot of talent. You can look at secondary. I mean, Jerry Bernard Converse, seven banks are projected really high. I mean, Mike Jones Jr. is even still projected, you know, early second round by Tom McShay and Mel Kuyper. So, I mean, they got a lot of pieces and weapons, and let's not forget about the wide receiver room and Tayshawn and, and those guys. So, uh, Jordy, they got talent. Uh, the question, like you mentioned, can they come together? You know, I, I think that Brian Kelly's involvement with this SWAT team stuff is something that I know that I've talked about and focused on a lot. But I think it's made the team a lot better because you've had to force, you know, force leaders out there and accountability uh, and things like that. So, I, I do believe that they can come together a little bit, maybe a little bit more quicker than, than what we saw a season ago. But um, they do have the talent. I don't think, you know, Jordan, we, we, me and you have talked about this for three years now, and they've had the talent because you don't have 15 guys drafted or what was it this year, 10 guys drafted, five guys signing deals if you don't have a lot of talent. So I, I think they got just as much. Um, but, hey, what do I, I guess what do I know? I guess the NFL is just – you know, <laughs> we just, <laughs> made up of guys that can't play. 
We shall see. How important is it, or is it important at all for LSU? And when do you think LSU will decide who their starting quarterback is? Because you've got to have that, um, you've got to give that player the most reps. That player has to get used to his center, and they've got to have that feel for the game together. Uh, is that important, or does LSU keep it close to the vest and wait till the week of the opening game? How, how does that work? I, I, I think week of, unless somebody completely stands out and you don't have a choice, um, and the team is rallying behind somebody. Um, but I would go week of. I mean, Joy, they're, 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 you know, the only rush really to publicly announce it is for a fan perspective, right? Like, right. You know, like there's no, there's no real reason for Brian Kelly to come out um, and announce it until, you know, and you can internally tell the guys, you know, I'll give an example. You know, Jordan, we talked about this when it happened. Um, but, for example, when T.J. Finley started over Max Johnson when Miles went down, you know, T.J. was told the Tuesday of, of that week. You know, we're right. going to make this big thing about uh, – we told him on Thursday. That's, that was a complete lie. Um, so I, I think you could tell him in-house and let people know and, and, and give maybe that starting guy seven of the ten reps or six of the ten reps. Um, but they got a battle on their hands. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that there's one clear-cut guy because you look around it. I mean, Jane Daniels, what they want to do in the RPO game, I, I still think is a very big threat. He might not be the best. He's not the best thrower of the four when it comes to intermediate, but uh, he definitely is someone that's uber-talented. So, Jordy, the question becomes then now, what – type of offense do they fully want to run and I, I think that that tips your hand if you even do it right day of Florida State week so um, I, I, I just sit back and I ask myself the question what does it really serve um, anybody by announcing it Right. As long as the team knows and they, they can figure that out. But to your point, uh, Athlon Sports runs this uh, thing every year where they have anonymous SEC coaches talking about another team. And this anonymous SEC coach had this to say about LSU. What are they going to do on offense with that personnel? It seems like they want to go dual threat and run with their quarterback, but that's really just Jaden Daniels, not the other guys. They've got some playmakers on the perimeter and they need to have an effective downfield passing offense with that personnel. I think you might see them rotate quarterbacks, which could be a different set of problems. That's just one person's opinion from the outside looking in, but it paints a picture much to what you said about what Jaden Daniels has to offer. Well, and, and it goes to what we saw and what we've seen from Mike Denbrock. You know, when Mike Denbrock was o offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly went from a more traditional pocket style passer and went to a guy by the name of Ian Book, who we all know, uh, mm -hmm. and others who we all know can move. Um, and, look, Ian Book's not the best passer on God's green planet either. But, uh, again, can Jane Daniels do things in the intermediate passing game to get the ball to number seven? That is the that is the $90 million Brian Kelly question. How do you get number seven to football in open space? Because mm -hmm. if he can be even above average in the intermediate passing game, to me, it's not – and, again, this is based off of what they want to do. 
not necessarily who I think is the better quarterback. Um, but, again, we'll see. I mean, and really and truthfully, you know, that people forget this, but, you know, the, the spring game was one thing, and Garrett made a very big push for himself. And he's definitely right. in this mix. But then the practice before, Jordy, we're sitting out there and he throws three picks. So That's right. I think the person that can that can uh, uh, protect the football the most while making some plays down the field, either with their legs or with their arm, is going to be the guy. But they definitely want to go and run with the quarterback. And I think that that's something that Brian Kelly has gone out of his way in seven. So, Jordy, the, my producers flagged this down for me. 17 different times this offseason, 17, Brian Kelly has talked about the quarterback using his legs to take over the game. When I'm quoting, yeah. the play breaks down because in the SEC that just happens. Yeah. I think that is, that is some foreshadowing from him, whether it be Garrett, whether it be Jaden, I don't really care. But we're, I'm just going based off of what he specifically right. has, has spoken about. More than fair. This same coach in the SEC in talking about LSU, and I'm going to read it and then let you um, share your thoughts on it. He said, quote, defensively, this will be the weakest secondary LSU has had in decades. It's because of the changeover and losing guys to Arkansas and Alabama, Eli Ricks and company. But they're going to feel it. Your thoughts on that comment? Um, well, I don't think that that person, and it does sound a lot like someone in Tuscaloosa. Um, however, <laughs> Jordy, how can they get much worse? Yeah. I, I mean, I, with all due respect to Derek Stingley Jr., we were, Jordy, the week of Alabama, LSU was dead last in passing efficiency. Dead last. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, what do you mean, what do you mean it's going to be the worst? Well, <laughs> sounds good to me. Because you can't get worse than what you've been doing. No, I don't. I don't believe that. Strictly due to not so much personnel, Jordy, but mainly due to the simple fact of what they're going to call. I don't think they're going to allow things like Mississippi State 2020, and maybe translate a little bit more to Alabama 2021, where. You know, look, you, you you use your scheme to get to the quarterback. You use your scheme to to rattle the wide receiver. So, yeah, maybe from a personnel standpoint, Jordy, okay, sounds good. But my question would be, what about Georgia's secondary from a season ago? How many of those guys got drafted? Oh, yeah, that's right. So the question becomes, is it the best secondary that wins? Because you can have Eli Ricks all the live long day, but the best ability is availability. And when you're dead last in the SEC, Jordy, what if I would have told you that in eight weeks of last season, to start the first eight weeks, Vandy's passing defense would be better than LSU? You could probably call me crazy. Well, that's exactly what happened. Yep. So I'm not going to say that, you know, they're getting worse. I think that that's a lazy take, a very lazy take, because you just don't – I mean, Jordy, we cover this team, myself and you included, we cover this team on a daily basis. You can't get much worse than what they were the first eight weeks. It's literally you're right. You're right. Um, I, I think maybe they're basing it like again. These are on the outside looking in. Um, these players are either inexperienced or they're experienced players who started elsewhere and transferred in during the off season, so they're new to their teammates. So um, yep. do again. 
Is there time to develop that trust that you need to have, particularly in the last line of defense where one wrong move and boom, there's a touchdown gone. So uh, they may have great talent. Again, so many question marks, right? There really is with this team. So many question marks at some of the most important positions in modern football. That's the guy who's throwing the ball and the group of guys that are trying to stop the guy from throwing the ball. That's, I mean, it's critical. Yeah, I would say, you know, from a, you know, just overall, you know, a lot of people ask me and I feel like people saying LSU going nine and three is like the, when you get pulled over and, the cops say, hey, how many beers do you have tonight? And you say two. It's always the same answer from every fan base. There's a lot of question marks. And you can't get around the question marks that LSU has. And, Jordy, here's another thing. They're going to have to go back this recruiting cycle and hit the portal even harder or just yep. as hard as they did a season ago because they got so many guys that they got to replace that are going to be hitting the draft. So, I, I mean, look, this is a couple-year build, I think, for Brian Kelly. And I, I'm, not, I'm not worried yet. I think it, it could be something, but I'm just not worried yet because you know what helps, helps the secondary? A really good pass rush. So if you got Bless. four guys up front that are really good and can get out to quarterback, which we've seen, what happens when the secondary gets help from a pass rush? That's right. Oh, no question. No question. He is Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Uh, you're, you're near and dear offensive line. They picked up, a, I guess, a pretty good one from uh, my hometown of New Orleans, from St. Aug High School uh, the, over the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, I think Tyree Adams is a really, really good player. We spoke to him over the weekend. He talked about how he just wanted to get it done and over with so that he could uh, uh, focus on winning the state championship and for his high school at St. Augs, so you got to love it. Uh, and they're not done there. There are two more guys that they're going after in the portal. So, Jordy, if they call, let me say this. If, if Brad Davis closes out with getting guys like D.J. Chester from Georgia and Zalantar from Monroe, I'm gonna, I, I'll make this statement. There's never been a better recruiting class on the offensive line within a two-year span better okay. than what Brad Davis has done. And I will die on the sword with that take until it's proven on the field because of a recruit. Jordy, you could have a so you could have a scenario where your offensive line in two or three years is Will Campbell, the Lance Hurd, uh, Emory Jones, uh, uh, Will Campbell, and, and somebody else. Okay, yeah. whoever whoever that may be, it could be Garrett Dellinger that stays for fourth or fifth year. Jordy, newsflash: that has the potential to be the best offensive line in the country. The country, because you have two NFL first-round picks at tackle. It's unreal what what Brad Davis has done so far. I remember the last time LSU had the number one offensive line in the country. I think they won a national championship with that. uh, With that, exactly what they did. And Burrow throwing to all those guys. I I don't follow high school football that much. I saw Jack Besh in high school, um, and I went. I don't know why they're not recruiting him because he catches everything. Uh, I've seen Shelton Sampson Jr. play, and he's the same type, but he's taller. Uh, You throw it up, he goes and gets it. Uh, That dude can play, in my opinion. That dude can play, and he's going to make his announcement um, August the 6th, I believe, is what I was told, uh, around 3 o'clock. So. That would be a nice get if they can get that. But, you know, when Alabama wants you and A&M wants you and Florida State wants you, you never know. Just think about this very quickly, Jordy. If you if Brian Kelly gets a commitment and signs 
Jalen Brown out of Miami, and uh, Shelton Sampson, obviously from Catholic Baton Rouge. It will be the two highest-rated recruits at wide receiver that he's ever signed in his 35-year coaching career. The only difference, he came to LSU. So don't tell me the man can't recruit and all this kind of stuff. That would be unreal. I'm sad that the, I found out the splash party uh, had to go indoors because of in, uh, bad weather. That's a shame. Well, if you ask anybody that was around it, it might be even made it a little bit better just due to the fact that guys got to sit down and talk to one another one on one, and yeah. you got a commitment. You got a commitment out of it, Jordy. So that's right. <laughs> I'm okay that's with it. That's right. What's it like? You played foot. I remember. I'm. I remember getting ready for basketball practice as a freshman. Um, man, I was nervous wreck. And now uh, they report, get find out where they're going to live on Wednesday, and they were and get all the the tests out the way, the the weight and the measurables and all that stuff, the vertical jump and all that, and and then Thursday they hit the practice field running. Man, how, how nervous were you back in the day? Uh, I threw up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I threw up because really and truthfully, uh, Jordy, this is just me, and I don't mean this in any kind of way or bashing myself. I knew that I wasn't as good as some of these guys that were playing. Okay, right. I just found a way to get myself in the best position on the field, and you know, I, I knew that I was making a big leap, and you know, it finally took you know that you know my position coaches and others giving me some confidence. Uh, in myself and making the right calls and uh, uh, sticking up for some guys that, you know, maybe should have been playing and ultimately played in the NFL for, for let's just say, eight years. But who, you know, who's counting? But, you know, I, I threw up on my first practice in college. I was so nervous, um, probably outside of the day that my son was born, the most nervous day of my entire life. <laughs> I hear you. All right, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Oh, by the way, uh, that same Athlon story named LSU their sleeper team, named their breakout player Mason Smith, the defensive lineman, and their comeback player Kayshawn Butte after playing half a season and putting up the numbers that he put up. So it's not all negative, but they uh, they feel pretty good. They did say their top defensive newcomer would be Eli Ricks at Alabama. So we, we shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall see how it all unfolds but um training camp is here football is here and you'll be all over from a to z thank you buddy always fun talking with you man and i greatly appreciate you kind of flipping the time around a little bit anytime jordy anytime you need me thank you yeah all right, buddy you take care that is right. blake Rafino from the are you serious podcast um the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll take a quick time out. We'll be back with more here on the Jordy Helper Show. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 1st, 1945. New York Giants outfielder Mel Ott hits his historic 500th MLB home run to become the third player in MLB history to join the 500 club. The first two 
were Babe Ruth and Jimmy Fox. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. The Major League Baseball trade deadline is 5 p.m. tomorrow, August 2nd. The Astros, one of several teams geared up for a big move. Um, the Angels said that they had offers for Shohei Otani, but they're going to keep him. Um, Juan Soto still remains out there. The uh, Astros are looking for improvements, apparently, at first base and at Texture. Um, one name being from bandied about here and there is uh, Josh Bell. Uh, his name has been discussed. Um, but the Astros are also interested in Red Sox catcher Christian Vasquez and Rays first baseman Jimon Choi. If the uh, Josh Bell deal falls through, Bell apparently would like to be in Houston. So stay tuned for. Uh, that one. Uh, meanwhile, the San Diego Padres get Milwaukee Brewers closer Josh Hader in a trade. Uh, that was the big story of the day uh, when it comes to MLB talk. So uh, stay tuned. We shall see um, how everything falls into place. Um, Otani not going anywhere, but Juan Soto is there for the taking. It's just how much is it going to take to get the taking? So stay tuned for for that. Meanwhile, um, uh, in a horse race in the AL Central, the Twins lead the Guardians by one and the White Sox by two. So that's game on there. Um, the Blue Jays have won eight of their last 10 to narrow the gap a little bit in the AL East. The Yankees are up by 11 and a half over the uh, Blue Jays. Um, we told you the Astros up by a dozen over the Mariners in the National League. Um the Mets have won seven of their last 10 to expand their lead over the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. They lead the Bravos by three, as do the Brewers, leading my Cardinals by three in the NL Central and the Dodgers up 12 over the Padres. Um, and, you know, 162 games, and the Dodgers have played, what, 101. So a lot of baseball left to be played. And teams are gearing up uh, for the uh, stretch run. So um, we'll see. We shall see. Don't forget that uh, we are your home for the Houston Astros and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways. Man, they're fun, and they're powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Aaron Judge hit some more home runs over the weekend. Oh, my God, he is just, um, he, he is like on fire. Uh, and it's, wherever he goes, it's, um, it's all over the place. People are, you can't get a seat. You cannot get a seat. Uh, so, um, judge with, uh, 42 home. No, he doesn't have 42 home runs right now. That was last year. No, that's this year. 42 home runs. 
Kyle Schwarber next with 33. Uh, Justin Ver- Verlander still leading the bigs with a 1.81 ERA for his 14 wins this season. Um, dare I say Cy Young Award winner? Okay. Speaking of award winners, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Uh, an LSU Tiger who uh, drafted in the seventh round, had a long, outstanding career with the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons have honored him by saying he will be in their ring of honor. We'll talk with Todd McClure next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back as we continue rolling on on this Monday, August the 1st. Hope everybody's having a great day. It was a great day last week for um, a, a man who cut his teeth at Central High School, um, playing just about every sport you can imagine, comes to LSU, becomes an all-SEC performer, an all-American, then goes in the seventh round of the 1999 NFL draft to the Atlanta Falcons, and now it was announced he's joining the Falcons' ring of honor. What a career it has been. And if the best ability is availability, Todd McClure was always available, and we're blessed and thankful to have him available to us today. Todd, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And, buddy, man, congratulations. Oh, Arthur Blank was right. He said you were going to be in the in the ring of honor one day, and he lived up to his word. Yes, he did, Jordy. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I was, uh, you know, at my press conference in 2012, 13, when I retired, uh, Mr. Blank said that, and it's been 10 years. I was starting to. Starting to worry a little bit, you know, thinking he misspoke, but uh, it came true, man. It was a great day. Out of sight, out of mind. Your initial reaction was? I was in shock, man. I tell you, uh, really emotional because I had two teammates that were there uh, to, you know, kind of present it to me. And then when they kicked the video on, which I think the video, they're going to make it public on August 12th, the guy that told me when I first heard that I was going to the ring, ring of honor was Warwick Dunn. You know, Warwick uh-huh. Dunn was a unbelievable teammate of mine. He's in the ring of honor himself. And, uh, I, you know, I just got choked up. It took me a second before I could even get any words out. That, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, where, where did the name mud duck come from? I'll tell you, it's, uh, we own a Louisiana station. It's, uh, strength coach Al <laughs> Miller, uh, who's actually, uh, he's living back in Louisiana now. He was a strength coach at Northwestern. He's living up in the Ruston area now. Uh, he was a strength coach for Coach Dan Reed's staff, and everybody had nicknames. And <laughs> mine just happened to be Mud Duck. I don't know where it came from, what it was, but it was Mud Duck from 1999 till present time, and it stuck. And none of my teammates called me Todd. They called me Mud Duck. 
my duck. I love it. It's the first time I heard that. I did not know. And I've been following you for years. Um, I'm always passionate about um, kids and sports and, and what they do growing up. You come from a very athletic family. Um, you didn't just play football. You played everything, didn't you? Coming up through the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. And, Jordy, you know this. My dad was a basketball coach at a high school level and then the college level at Southeastern. And me and my brothers grew up in the gym. We grew up at college basketball practices, and uh, basketball was our first love. And then, you know, of course, we played baseball and then football later on. Football was the last sport we started. And uh, I think playing all those sports, and you know this as well as anybody, playing all those sports made me really good at one sport later on in life. Yes. Uh, it drives me crazy with these specialized kids at 10 years old. They don't try anything else. I just, uh, I'm crazy. Um, LSU was the only place you were going to go, right? That, I mean, that was it. Uh, no question. You know, you, I got grew up, I guess, watching football in the 80s. Uh, Notre Dame was on TV a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love the gold helmets and, you know, Tim Brown, that era, those guys were there. And I always said, you know, if Notre Dame ever offered, then I might think about going somewhere else, but they never offered, so I never never had to Thank make goodness. that decision, you know. And, of course, as soon as LSU offered, uh, you know, there was no question where I was going. Um, center, uh, why that position? I, I, it's kind of like I, I've got a f- feeling what the answer is going to be, but why did you pick the center spot to be your your deal? Now, Jordy, it's a crazy story. You go back and you see how things kind of evolved. My dad and Steve Ensminger played high school uh, football together. Uh, okay. We were really tight with the Ensminger family. Every Christmas, you know, we had a day, 23rd, 24th, whenever it was, we got together with the Ensmingers and we had a, a Christmas dinner. And I can remember, uh, I don't know how I was, but Steve told my dad, he said, look, if that boy wants a chance to play in college, you need to make sure he plays center. You know, because I wasn't going to be – extremely fast you know i wasn't tall i'm you know six one and three quarters and but steve ensminger was a guy that said you need to get him in the center position and i think that guy knows a little bit about football yeah yeah yeah. Uh, they usually put the smartest player there because you got so many things you have to do to help your team out uh and you take and you literally touch the ball on every play that's what i like about it yeah absolutely man you got to have a guy that's smart there at the center spot and I think looking back on my career, um, that helped me stick in Atlanta a little bit longer, you know, because I wasn't the most talented center that was playing in a league or that's ever played, but I knew my job and I knew everybody on that offense's job. And, you know, I think I helped make that team better. In, in in such a specialized sport now where people are missing games left and right, how did you start 144 straight games? I know you weren't anywhere close to 100% for probably 140 of those games. How did you do that? Yeah, you know, it's uh, when I first got to Atlanta, there was a guy, Bob Whitfield. He's an offensive tackle. He's a pro bowler. And he told us young guys, don't ever let anybody get any of your reps. He said, whether it's in practice, whether it's in a game. I mean, you know the the story of Wally Pip. you know. Yeah. He goes in, yes. and, you yes. know, they never look back, you know. And so I had that in my mind. I never wanted anybody get, get my reps. But so the front office would look say, well, maybe this young guy's a little bit better. 
So <laughs> yeah. I was, if I could get out there on that field, I wasn't coming off. And, you know, and I was fortunate. You know, I didn't have any major injuries other than my ACL my rookie year. But after that, you know, the good Lord was looking over me. Todd McClure, kind enough to join us, going to be into the uh, the Falcons ring of honor. Okay, I, I got to know this. You're, you're a Louisiana guy. I know you followed the Saints, but you get drafted by the Falcons. They're paying your they they they're paying you to to do a job, and you're there for 13 years. How big is that Saints Falcon rivalry, and how was it for you? Oh man, it's huge. You know, and I still, uh, you know, I'm back in Louisiana now. We're in Zachary. My kids go to Zachary High. Uh, so I catch it from all angles, you know, and it seems like the, the, the rivalry's huge, but it seems like the, the Saints have gotten over the Falcons more than, than the other way. Uh, so I'm normally on the humble end a lot, you know, but I talk a lot of trash. I enjoy football season, season because I get to talk trash about my Falcons, but I think this year may be a rebuilding year for them, so it could be a long football season for me. Matty Ice is gone, man. He's up in Indy. So, I mean, come on. There's your boy. Yeah, I'm going to be pulling for the coach. You know, he was the last guy that I played with and was still playing with the organization. And uh, the way that whole thing went down uh, with Deshaun Watson and them courting him, Uh, and uh, it was kind of a slap in the face, you know, and I think he took it that way. And But, you know, now I'm happy for him. Indy's got a playoff caliber team. He's got a good group of linemen in front of him. Uh, you know, he's at the the end of his career, and hopefully he can go have a few years and, and go make a push and get him a Super Bowl ring. Todd, you mentioned Warwick Dunn. What a great player he was. But what was it like blocking for Michael Vick? You didn't know where that – what What did you tell him? What did he tell you? How did you block for a guy that zigs right, zigs left, goes up, goes back, and go, it's all over the place? You just had to hold on to your guy. You know, it, it was it was good and bad at times. It was good because, uh, you know, if you got beat at the line of scrimmage, he could make things happen. He could make guys miss. But you also, you're sitting there holding a block, and you're like, where is he? You never knew where he was. Uh, but it was unbelievable. And some of, the, some of my fondest memories uh, with the Falcons come with Michael Vick and the excitement of Warwick Dunn in that backfield. You know, Ooh. we set a rushing record one year. We led the league in rushing. I'm sorry. Led the league in rushing with uh, Vick and Dunn, and that was an unbelievable experience. Number 62, any any uh, thought process, any significance to that number? No. <laughs> you know, when I got to uh, – when I went to LSU, 72 was my number at LSU, and it just happened to be the one they gave me. You know, I wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school, so it wasn't right. like I could go in there and say, you know, I want this number. 72 was available. Same thing when I went to Atlanta. 62 <laughs> just happened to be available, you know, and uh, – uh, it is what it is, and you know I was happy to, to to rock that number my whole career. Well, there'll be a lot of sixty twos uh, come October when you get into that shrine. One of uh, joining twelve other members. Think about all the years they've been playing football and all the great players, and and you're there amongst them, and that's forever, dude. I mean that they that's it. It's up there forever. Yeah. You know, and it didn't really sink in. And my younger brother called me, and he was like, Todd. He said that. You know, that's immortality. That's, you know, your grandkids, our, you know, my kids, they'll look up and be able to see your name and say, you know, that's my uncle or that's my great uncle. Um, and now I'm going to get emotional talking about it. But it, it, it's special. It's special. Yeah. I still still haven't wrapped my, my mind around the, 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 the whole 
the, the enormity of it. of it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right, I gotta let's have some fun. Who was the uh, who still gives you nightmares if you knew? Oh, I got to play against that team with that guy. Oh my, I, yeah. I just uh, I can't sleep. Yeah, Chris Jenkins. Uh, I was with Carolina Panthers. Chris was in his heyday, about six six, two forty, quick as a cat, and uh, I spent more time watching Chris Jenkins than he spent watching himself because. He would embarrass you quick. And, I mean, I would spend – Jordy, I would watch one play. When he got in his stance, I would watch it for 15 minutes. I wanted to see what kind of weight he had on his fingers, how his head was cocked, how which way his feet were pointing, which way his knee was going. I knew more about him when he got in his stance. So I, you know, I was at a disadvantage already. I had to be on my A game. And Chris Jenkins, without a doubt, was a guy that, that I lose sleep over. And meanwhile, you got the ball. I mean – Maybe maybe playing baseball helped. Maybe you played a little bit of catcher because I don't know how you as a center with a quarterback in the shotgun position, you got to squat down like you do with the hand on the ball and you're pointing left, you're telling all your other offensive linemen, okay, there's the mic or whatever you guys do, which is absolutely Greek to me. Uh, that's why I played <laughs> basketball. Football, yeah, you, man, that's too many things going on. Um, no, Jordan, I don't know how I'll you tell did you, it, you're a basketball guy, so you'll understand this. You know, I'm, I know I'm big now. But I grew up as a point guard, um, and I think being able to see the court, pass the ball, because you know that playing basketball. You got Daddy used to always tell us you got to look at every, look at nothing but see everything. Yeah, you know, so you got to come down the court. You got to know where everybody's at. And I think right. playing that point guard position helped me with my peripheral and seeing what's going on around. Dude, when did you hit your growth spurt? I'm still trying to find it. You know, if I could have been two inches taller, I'd have made a little bit more money. But, uh, you know, I, I was 240 uh, as a senior at Central when I graduated. Um, when I got to LSU, you know, that, that was the only disadvantage of playing three sports. I never had time to try to bulk or go in the weight room and lift really hard. So right. when I got to LSU, it was eating four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every night, you know, eating, <laughs> lifting. I gained 40 pounds from my senior year to uh, when we kicked off at Texas A&M my freshman year. I was wow. 280. Dude, so, uh, just, it wasn't sloppy weight. I, people ask me all the time, man, did you take something? I was like, no, dude. It was peanut butter and jelly and lifting weights and just, you know, eat, breathe, and sleep and trying to gain weight. Just think about all the money you cost your parents to have to go get that new wardrobe, man, or else you wore a lot of sweatpants. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about that. <laughs> well, uh, if you don't mind sharing what uh, what uh, interest Todd McClure, how are you spending your days now that you've retired at such a young age? Yeah, you know, I'm busier now than when I was playing. I uh, <laughs> got a few things that started out as hobbies that have turned into full-time businesses, Uh I raise buck and bulls, you know, PBR. I know you see them on nice. TV. Uh, nice. Kind of like thoroughbred, thoroughbred horses, you know, it's all genetic. So I do that. And then uh, I have a wood business. We do reclaim floors, beams. We build custom tables, cabinets. Uh, anything with that old wood is kind of in right now. Yeah. We do it. And that's uh, 6M Antique Woods. You can look us up online. We're in Zachary, Louisiana, and uh, come out and visit us, see if we can help you out with your home. Atta boy, Todd McClure. See, centers are smart. Get a little plug in, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, central Zachary of uh, influence in the ATL come October when, um, boy, what a ceremony that will be. That'll be awesome. 
Yeah, it'll be special, and uh, there'll be a, a few tissues needed, I'm sure, because uh, <laughs> it's going to be an emotional day. Um, you know, my kids, Jordy, they were young while I was yep. playing. My oldest yep. is 21 now. Um, wow. So they kind of knew what Daddy did, but now they'll better go and see this, and Ooh. it'll be something they remember. The enormity will be spectacular. Um, I, I'm so happy for you. So deserving. Arthur Blank, you're a man of your word, and I, I do appreciate that. So thank you for your time, man. Go enjoy every minute of it, and uh, we thank you, buddy. Congratulations. Thank you, Jordy. Anytime, All man. Right. Enjoy coming on with you. One of my best. One of my favorites, uh, Todd McClure in the Atlanta Falcon Ring of honor we'll take our final time out of the day we'll come back and wrap it all up with a birthday wish to one of the greatest defensive players of all time and he played at lsu this is the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers in southwest louisiana all right, welcome back. 54 minutes after the hour, Astros fans, um, the, the Strohs have acquired Trey Mancini, a first baseman from the Baltimore Orioles as the trades continue to mount um, in Major League Baseball. So they saw average play from Yuri Gurriel in June and July. Uh, Mancini bolsters not only the first base position, uh, but he's had 13 outfield starts. Um, so we'll see. Um, they're trying to do whatever they can as they chase a World Series championship. Special thanks to our guest today, Chris Rosevoglu, on the latest with the New Orleans Saints as they don pads for the first time. Glenn West from 247 Sports, LSU about to report, as are the Cajuns and the Cowboys, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast, and a lot of fun talking to Todd McClure, the former Tiger, former Falcon, going into the Falcon Atlanta Falcon um, Ring of Honor. Uh, if today is your birthday, August 1st, the year 2022, uh, then happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your birthday with the most decorated defensive player in LSU history. He finished ninth in the 2007 voting for the Heisman Trophy. Defensive player receiving more votes than any other defensive player in the nation. In, ad in addition, he was awarded the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, the Outland Trophy, the Lot Trophy, and the Lombardi Award, becoming the only player ever to win all four awards. He was a member of LSU's 2007 BCS Championship team. Special 38th happy birthday to Glenn Dorsey, friend of the program. Yes, indeed. Um, what a player. He was. What a player he was. Uh, tomorrow on the program, more on the Major League Baseball uh, trade deadline, uh, more on Saints training camp with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, and so much more coming your way. I would like to thank James Mesh, our producer extraordinaire, for um, 
running the show, running the ship, as he always does. I'd like to thank all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do, radio, uh, internet, television. We've got it all. So, so thank you for that. And to our partners that make it possible, people like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets, like Eon of Lafayette, which is soon to be in Baton Rouge and Mandeville, like Cajun Chef, the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics, DC's Little Capital Exxon, and Louisiana Lottery. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Hultberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Be kind to one another. Let's be happy. So long, everybody.